This episode of the MedBullet Step 1 podcast will go over the topic of antiarrhythmics from the cardiovascular section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 65-year-old man with atrial fibrillation presents to his primary care physician for a rash. He reports that he recently switched antiarrhythmic medications as instructed by his cardiologist. He reports to having discoloration of his skin and a burning sensation after sun exposure. On physical exam, there are blue and gray discolorations of his skin. An eye exam also reveals yellow-brown granules in the cornea. He was discontinued from the new antiarrhythmic medication. So this clinical snapshot is an example of amiodarone photosensitivity. Now let's get into the topic. As a quick introduction, antiarrhythmic medications are divided into four classes. Class 1 drugs are sodium channel blockers, class 2 drugs are beta blockers, class 3 drugs are potassium channel blockers, and class 4 drugs are calcium channel blockers. Now let's talk about the different antiarrhythmics in a bit more detail. We'll go over the specific drugs and mechanism of action for each class of antiarrhythmics. So starting with class 1A sodium channel blockers, remember the mnemonic double quarter pounder, DQP where the D stands for disopyramide, the Q stands for quinidine, and the P stands for procainamide. The mechanism of action of class 1A sodium channel blockers is increasing the action potential, increasing the effective refractory period, or ERP, and increasing the QT interval. Moving on to class 1B sodium channel blockers, remember the mnemonic lettuce and mayo, L and M, where L stands for lidocaine and M stands for mixilatine. The mechanism of action for class 1B sodium channel blockers is decreasing the action potential, decreasing the effective refractory period, and they affect ischemic or depolarized tissue. Hence, they are great for post-myocardial infarction arrhythmias. Moving on to class 1C sodium channel blockers, remember the mnemonic FRIES PLEASE, or F and P, where F stands for flecainide and P stands for propafenone. The mechanism of action of class 1C sodium channel blockers is increasing the effective refractory period in the atrioventricular node, but not in the ventricular tissue. Moving on to class 2 beta blockers, the drug names end in LOL or LOL. So selective beta blockers include metoprolol, esmolol, propanolol, atenolol, and timolol. Remember that esmolol is the most short-acting. Non-selective alpha and beta blockers include carvedilol and labetalol. The mechanism of action of class II beta blockers is decreasing sinoatrial and atrioventricular nodal activity, which specifically decreases cyclic ANP and decreases calcium currents and also decreases the slope of phase 4. Class II beta blockers also increase the PR interval. Moving on to class three potassium channel blockers, remember the mnemonic AIDS, A-I-D-S, where A stands for amiodarone, I stands for ibutilide, D stands for dofetilide, and S stands for sotalol. The mechanism of action for class three potassium channel blockers is increasing the action potential, increasing the effective refractory period, and increasing the QT interval. Finally, moving on to class four calcium channel blockers, remember the mnemonic class IV drugs, where the V stands for verapamil and the D stands for diltiazem. The mechanism of action of class 4 calcium channel blockers is increasing the effective refractory period, increasing the PR interval, and decreasing the conduction velocity. Now let's talk about these different classes of antiarrhythmics in a bit more detail. 
starting with class 1 or sodium channel blockers, these drugs slow down conduction and decrease the slope of phase 0 depolarization. Class 1A medications include desopyramide, quinidine, and procainamide. Clinical uses of class 1A sodium channel blockers include atrial and ventricular arrhythmias, specifically re-entrant and ectopic supraventricular tachycardias, or SVTs, and ventricular tachycardias, or VTs. Toxicity from sodium channel blockers include thrombocytopenia, tersade de pointe from increased QT interval, heart failure specifically from disopyramide, headache from quinidine, tinnitus also from quinidine, and reversible systemic lupus erythematosus-like syndrome from procainamide. Class 1b sodium channel blockers include lidocaine and mexilatine. Clinical uses include postmyocardial infarction and other ventricular arrhythmias, as well as digitalis-induced arrhythmias. Toxicity from class 1b sodium channel blockers include cardiovascular depression and central nervous system effects. Class 1c sodium channel blockers include flecainide and propafenone. Clinical uses include SVTs, including atrial fibrillation. In terms of toxicity, class 1c sodium channel blockers are pro-arrhythmic and are contraindicated in structural and ischemic heart disease, especially postmyocardial infarction. Moving on to class 2 drugs or beta blockers, clinical uses include SVTs, including atrial fibrillation and atrial flutter. Toxicity from beta blockers can cause impotence, exacerbation of lung disease, like chronic obstructive pulmonary disease and asthma, certain cardiovascular effects like bradycardia, atrioventricular block and or heart failure, central nervous system effects like sedation and sleep disturbance, dyslipidemia from metoprolol, and they can exacerbate Prince metal angina, specifically from propanolol toxicity. Treatment for an overdose of beta blockers includes saline, atropine, and glucagon. Moving on to class 3 drugs or potassium channel blockers, clinical uses include atrial fibrillation, atrial flutter, and ventricular tachycardia, especially amiodarone and sotalol. Toxicity from potassium channel blockers include torsade de pointe, specifically from sotalol and ibutilide, excessive beta blockade, specifically from sotalol. In terms of amiodarone toxicity, there is no risk of torsade de pointe. However, check pulmonary function tests or PFTs, liver function tests or LFTs, and thyroid function tests or TFTs for pulmonary fibrosis, hepatotoxicity, and thyrotoxicity, respectively. Amiodarone toxicity may also cause blue-slash-gray skin deposits and photodermatitis, corneal deposits, neurologic effects, gastrointestinal effects, and cardiovascular depression, which can cause bradycardia, heart block, and heart failure. Moving on to class 4 antiarrhythmics or calcium channel blockers, clinical use includes atrial fibrillation and prevention of SVT. Toxicity from calcium channel blockers can cause constipation, flushing, edema, and cardiovascular depression, which can cause heart failure, atrioventricular block, and sinus node depression. Other antiarrhythmics to be aware of include adenosine and magnesium. The mechanism of adenosine is increasing potassium out of cells, which causes hyperpolarization of the cell and decreased atrioventricular node conduction. Remember that adenosine is very short-acting, more specifically, approximately 15 seconds. The clinical use of adenosine is diagnosing and or terminating SVT. Toxicity from adenosine can cause flushing, hypotension, chest pain, a sense of impending doom, and bronchospasm. Finally, moving on to magnesium, clinical use includes torsade de pointe and digoxin toxicity. 
magnesium toxicity can cause lethargy and or bradycardia. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, a 72-year-old man presents to the physician for his annual checkup. His blood pressure is 150 over 98 millimeters of mercury, and his pulse is irregular at 124 per minute at rest. An electrocardiogram is performed and reveals an irregularly irregular heart rate with no discrete P waves in between irregularly spaced QRX complexes. The remainder of his examination and laboratory tests are normal. The patient has started on a medication that the physician notes may cause a variety of adverse effects. Three months later, the patient returns to the physician with complaints of lethargy, weight gain, and cold intolerance. The physician surmises that his symptoms are due to a drug reaction of the medication prescribed at his previous visit. Which of the following may be another potential adverse effect of the medication prescribed for this patient? And the choices are 1. Blurry yellow vision. 2. Elevated triglyceride levels. 3. Erectile dysfunction. 4. Golden brown corneal deposits and five, headache, as well as tinnitus. The correct answer to this question is four, golden brown corneal deposits. So this patient with hypertension and an electrocardiogram showing signs of atrial fibrillation has most likely been prescribed amiodarone, which can cause hypothyroidism, as seen in this patient, and corneal deposits, among other adverse effects. To quickly review, amiodarone is a class 3 antiarrhythmic drug that acts as a potassium channel blocker, though it has class 1, 2, and 4 effects as well. Clinically, amiodarone is used in the management of atrial fibrillation and atrial flutter. Amiodarone is 40% iodine by weight and thus may cause thyroid hormone abnormalities of either hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism. Amiodarone also acts as a haptin and may bind with lipids of the basal epithelial layer of the cornea to produce golden brown or gray corneal deposits. Other adverse effects of amiodarone include pulmonary fibrosis, hepatotoxicity, blue-gray skin deposits resulting in photodermatitis, neurologic effects, and cardiovascular effects, for example, bradycardia, heart block, and heart failure. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, blurry yellow vision is an adverse effect of digoxin a cardiac glycoside that may also cause cholinergic symptoms, arrhythmias, AV block, and hyperkalemia. Answer 2, elevated triglyceride levels may indicate dyslipidemia, an adverse effect of metoprolol, which is a beta blocker, or a class 2 antiarrhythmic that may also cause impotence, exacerbation of COPD and asthma, cardiovascular effects, and CNS effects. Answer 3, erectile dysfunction is an adverse effect of beta blockers which is a class 2 antiarrhythmic. And finally, answer 5, headache and tinnitus, otherwise known as synchronism, is an adverse effect of quinidine, which is a sodium channel blocker or a class 1 antiarrhythmic that may also cause thrombocytopenia and torsade de point. To leave you with a bullet summary, amiodarone's side effects include hypo or hyperthyroidism, corneal deposits, pulmonary fibrosis, hepatotoxicity, blue-gray skin deposits, neurologic effects, and cardiovascular effects. Moving on to the next question. A 72-year-old man presents to his primary care physician with a one-week history of persistent dry cough and worsening shortness of breath. He says that he has also been experiencing some abdominal pain and weakness. He has never experienced these symptoms before. 
His past medical history is significant for persistent ventricular tachycardia, and he started a new medication to control this arrhythmia about one month prior to presentation. Chest radiograph reveals patchy opacification bilaterally, and computed tomography or CT scan shows diffuse ground glass changes. The drug that is most likely responsible for this patient's symptoms has which of the following mechanisms of action? And the choices are 1. Beta adrenergic blocker, 2. Calcium channel blocker, 3. Potassium channel blocker, 4. Sodium channel blocker with prolonged refractory period, and 5. Sodium channel blocker with shortened refractory period. The correct answer to this question is 3, potassium channel blocker. So this patient with dry cough, shortness of breath, and abdominal pain after starting an antiarrhythmic drug is most likely experiencing side effects from amiodarone, which works as a potassium channel blocker. Amiodarone is a class 3 antiarrhythmic drug that works by blocking potassium channels. It has a wide variety of side effects, so it's important to monitor patients who are started on this drug by checking pulmonary function tests, liver function tests, and thyroid function tests. These side effects include pulmonary fibrosis, hepatotoxicity, thyrotoxicity, blue-slash-gray skin deposits, photodermatitis, corneal deposits, neurologic effects, gastrointestinal effects, cardiovascular depression, bradycardia, heart block, and heart failure. Despite these side effects, amiodarone can be effective in the treatment of persistent ventricular tachycardia. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, beta-adrenergic blockers or class 2 antiarrhythmics, such as metoprolol, can cause exacerbation of existing lung disease. However, this patient has never experienced these symptoms before, and thus this is most likely the development of new lung pathology. Answer 2, calcium channel blockers or class 4 antiarrhythmics, such as verapamil, and can cause constipation and flushing, but would not result in pulmonary symptoms. Answer 4, sodium channel blockers with a prolonged refractory period, which are class 1A antiarrhythmics, such as procainamide, can cause thrombocytopenia, headache, and tinnitus. However, they would not result in pulmonary symptoms. And finally, answer 5, sodium channel blockers with a shortened refractory period, which can be class 1B and class 1C antiarrhythmics, such as flecainide, can cause central nervous system effects and cardiovascular depression. However, they would not result in pulmonary symptoms. So to leave you with the bullet summary, amiodarone is a potassium channel blocker antiarrhythmic that is associated with the side effects of pulmonary fibrosis and liver toxicity. Moving on to the next question. A 58-year-old man presents to his primary care physician because he has been experiencing shortness of breath. In particular, his office decided to go bowling together and he had to sit down after half a round because he was very fatigued. In addition, he has been experiencing palpitations and occasionally has dizzy spells where he feels like he's going to faint. Based on this presentation, appropriate tests are performed and the patient is started on a medication. One week later, the patient is brought to the emergency department after he passed out at work. An electrocardiogram of this patient is taken at the time of presentation and it shows that in many leads, the amplitude of the QRS complex varies over time. Which of the following drugs was most likely responsible for this patient's emergency room presentation? And the choices are 1. Esmolol, 2. Flecainide, 3. Ibutilide, 4. Lidocaine, and 5. Verapamil. The correct answer to this question is 3. Ibutilide. So this patient, who presents with torsade de point after starting an antiarrhythmic medication, was most likely placed on the class 3 potassium channel blocker, ibutilide. 
Antiarrhythmic medications are generally channel blockers that seek to terminate abnormal cardiac rhythms by altering the electrical properties of the heart. Different classes of antiarrhythmic drugs affect different channels and therefore have different side effects. One important side effect to be aware of in class 1A and class 3 antiarrhythmic medications is torsadepoint, which is a potentially fatal polymorphic ventricular tachycardia. This side effect can be recognized by the characteristic sinusoidal appearance of sequential waves on electrocardiogram. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, esmolol is a class 2 antiarrhythmic drug that functions as a beta blocker. It is not associated with the development of tersadepoint. Answer 2, flecainide is a class 1C antiarrhythmic drug that functions as a sodium channel blocker. It is not associated with the development of tersadepoint. Answer 4, lidocaine is a class 1B antiarrhythmic drug that functions as a sodium channel blocker. It is not associated with the development of tersadepoint. And finally, answer 5, verapamil is a class 4 antiarrhythmic drug that functions as a calcium channel blocker. It is not associated with the development of tersadepoint. To leave you with a bullet summary, class 1A and class 3 antiarrhythmic drugs are associated with the side effect of tersadepoint. And moving on to the final question, a 76-year-old man is brought to the emergency department by his daughter because he has been feeling lightheaded and almost passed out during dinner. Furthermore, over the past few days, he has been experiencing heart palpitations. His medical history is significant for well-controlled hypertension and diabetes. Given this presentation, an electrocardiogram is performed showing an irregularly irregular tachyarrhythmia with narrow QRS complexes. The patient has prescribed a drug that decreases the slope of phase zero of the ventricular action potential, but does not change the overall duration of the action potential. Which of the following drugs is consistent with this mechanism of action? And the choices are one, dofetilide, two, mexilatine, three, procainamide, four, propafenone, and five, propanolol. The correct answer to this question is for propafenone. So this patient with an irregularly irregular tachyarrhythmia most likely has atrial fibrillation and was prescribed a class 1C antiarrhythmic. These drugs decrease the slope of phase zero but do not change the duration of the cardiac action potential. To quickly review, antiarrhythmic drugs are separated into classes based on their mechanism of action. Class 1 drugs are all sodium channel blockers, however this class is further subdivided based on how they affect these channels. These different interactions lead to diverse effects on action potential duration and the length of the effective refractory period. Class 1C drugs such as flecainide and propafenone decrease the slope of phase zero of the ventricular action potential but do not change the overall duration of the action potential. These drugs also increase the effective refractory period in the atrioventricular node so they are used in atrial fibrillation. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer one, dofetilide is a class three potassium channel blocker that increases the duration of the action potential and the QT interval. Answer two, mexilatine is a class one B sodium channel blocker that decreases the duration of the action potential and selectively affects ischemic or depolarized tissue. Answer three, procainamide is a class one A sodium channel blocker that increases the duration of the action potential. And finally, answer 5, propanolol is a class 2 beta blocker that increases the PR interval and decreases the slope of phase 4. To leave you with the bullet summary, class 1C drugs decrease the slope of phase 0 of the ventricular action potential, but do not change the overall duration of the action potential. That's all for this review about antiarrhythmics. 
Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullets Step 1 podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.